You are listening to Freedom Church STL. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit freedomchurchstl.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy this message. I want you to go where we actually were last week. I want you to go back to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5 through 8. And though we are going to, we're, kind, we're not jumping off of this idea, but we are making sure, I, I've always done my best, and I, and I think it's been good for us, it's been good for me, that anytime we begin to teach about a concept about something, that there's always an opportunity for the, the enemy will always try to manipulate a concept, to, 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 to pervert a thought that, that seemingly is of God, but, and it can kind of get us off track. And so I want to kind of pick up in Philippians chapter 2, talking about servanthood, talking about the, the pattern of servanthood, but, but seeing this in a light so that we, we don't miss kind of the main point. Last week we spent time, listen, Last week, we spent time adding weight back to the word servanthood. And not just adding weight to the word, but adding weight back to the command that our life should be lived as a servant. And it's funny to me that, that the word servanthood, it, it's, it's hysterical to me. It's honestly hysterical that it's the one thing that is rarely taught, but yet Jesus spends like what some of the most prominent points of his ministry, either, either showing servanthood, teaching about servanthood, showing that if you're going to be first, you got to be last. I mean, all of these things, he elevates it so high of a level, yet we've minimized it and taken the teeth out of it because let's just be honest with each other. Nobody likes it. I mean, let's just call it like it is, Right. I mean, nobody just wakes up ready to go in the morning and just goes, man, who can I serve, right? We're looking for somebody to serve who? Me, right? I mean, that's why I had children. I mean, I love you guys, but, but I mean, I mean, I mean I, I'm thankful for my sons, but I mean, come on now. There was some of it. It was like a little self-serving. I mean, I was just like, I don't want to take the trash out anymore. So, I mean, I mean, that's just the reality. Listen, you walk out your life, I'll walk out mine, all right? I'll repent for the things I have to repent for. But so I want to see as we, last week we spent some time adding weight back to the word of servanthood. Today we're going to make sure that we understand the pattern of it and that we're not jumping outside the scope of, of the pattern of servanthood that Jesus lays out in the word. Is that fair? Is that fair? So let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is alive. I thank you that it is active. I thank you that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide things that we have clinged to. It is able to divide things from, from us that we have made as truths in our lives. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of your word, it breaks those things off. It convicts us. It leads us to life, and we're thankful for it. But, Father, I pray that our ears are actually tuned to it today that our hearts are actually open to it today, that we're not coming in this room to just check off some moral calendar, that I've done the thing and me and the big guy are good, but my ear is actually tuned because the creator of the universe desires to speak to me today. And because of that, he might have something to say that might just change my life. And so my ears are open, my heart is receptive, and my knees are weak so that when he begins to deal with me that I would not push back. 
We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. So let's go to Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5 through 8. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to pick it up here because this is the concept that, that Jesus kind of defines servanthood by, or we see this pattern in Jesus' life. And I probably could have grabbed a hundred different places in the Word to really kind of narrow this down or to show um, the scope or the pattern of, of servanthood, but I just think that this is kind of an easy passage here. So let's just pick it up here, and then we're going to dig some things out. Is that all right? All right, so Philippians chapter 2, starting in, where did I say? There we go. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. And in other translation, it says, have this mind about you. Let the same mind that was in Christ, let it be in you, right? So what he's saying there is, is this needs to be how, who thinks? Me, why? But it's because how he thought, right? Right, Corey? I'm just going to teach to Corey right now. You guys can all go home. I'm just teaching to Corey right now. But it's, so get, the Bible is saying, listen, this has to be how we think. This mindset has to be in us. So what is that mindset? It says this. It says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So we see this pattern here. We see that Jesus does not use what he has the ability to use for his own advantage. He doesn't use his kingship, his creatorship. He doesn't use all of that stuff. He says, you know what? Instead of that, I'm going to take on the form of a servant and show you the pattern of, of the kingdom here. And then he says this in verse 8. It says, and being found in the appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even unto death or even death on a cross. So the, so the pattern of a servant is not only that somebody doesn't use what they've been given for their own advantage, they use it for the pattern, they use it for the benefit of somebody else, right? We see this as, we see a pattern of, of humility, and we see a pattern that says, is that I will serve even to the point that if it costs me everything for the sake of those that I serve, then that's my life. Right? So this is a, there's some weight. Again, last week we spent all that time adding weight back onto that word that this is not just this thing where it's like, yeah, I let them go ahead of me, so I'm a servant. Or I did this and, oh, you know what? I let them merge in and I'm a, such a servant. No, there is a heavy weight that the Bible puts on this and says we need to see it because this was the very pattern that Christ laid out and also lived his life in human form, then he says, hey man, follow this. This needs to be in you. So we began to deal with that last week. We began to put that weight on us. But now, what I want to make sure that we understand here is simply this. I want you to jump down to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, starting in verse 34. I want you to see this. I'm just, there's not going to be a gotcha moment in this. We're going to just lay out the word of God, see the pattern here, and then make sure that we understand why it's so important that we understand this pattern. It says, a new command I give you. It says, love one another as I have what? Loved you. So you must love one another. By this, and I need you to underline this, because we miss this, <laughs> the weight of this next verse. We have way, way, we, we have just missed the whole weight of it. It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Follow me on this. 
First of all, let's back up just for a moment so that we can understand this verse in context. Who is he talking to? Is, is Jesus right now talking to the multitudes? Is he talking to those that don't even believe in him? Those that have just come and seen him to see miracles? Who is he talking to in this moment? Right, his followers, right? His direct guys. He's saying, listen, you love one another, your love for one another, meaning in this community of the church, he is talking to those that would say, I am a follower of Christ. He's saying, you love one another. Why? Because your love for one another will reveal, yes, they are my disciples. So that is like, that's a kind of a big deal, right? It doesn't say you'll know that you're my disciple because you went to church. It doesn't say that you'll know my disciple because you went on a missions trip or that you volunteered in the nursery. By the way, we will need volunteers. When that does come back, it's coming back, right? To all the parents, it's coming back, right? It's going to come back, right? Everybody said amen, right? Come on now. But we understand that Jesus is going to say something pretty heavy in that statement. He's going to say, listen. They're going to know that you're my disciples because of how you love and how you treat those in your community. Follow me on this. Hold on just for a second. And I know all of us are like, yeah, we need to love everybody. He's not talking about that. He's not talking. Yes, we should walk in love with everybody. But there is a weight on this passage for a reason. There's a weight of him saying, you need to walk in love with those in your community, your church, your community. You need to walk in. That's how they'll know you're my disciple. There's some weight to that, guys. So now let's look at this real quick. And we're going to come back to this verse. Because there's a big miss There's a big miss, and this is why we have to kind of lay out this pattern first and then go back and deal with the miss. Is that fair? Are you with me all right? Huh? All right, so I want you to do this. So now I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. This is a passage that I have have on a a piece of paper that's in every room in my house just so Sonia constantly makes sure that she is reminded. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. (laughs) Ellie's like, I know that passage. Ephesians chapter 21, verse 33. In fact, we're going to go all the way down through Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to work all the way from 21 down to 4. And there's a reason we're going to look at this pattern. We're going to read, there's a reason on this, okay? Are you with me? Okay, because we're going somewhere. It says this in verse 21. We're going to just read this. Are we mature enough to do this? I'm not going to ask you to repeat after me. I promise we're terrible at that. And Ryan would say, amen, right? Verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, right? This is, again, the writer of Ephesians is writing to a church. Are you following me on this? This is not an open letter to everybody. This is a letter to believers, It says, so submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is going to be attached back to Jesus saying, your love for one another will reveal that you are my disciples, okay? But then it goes into this, wives, submit to your husbands. So now we're going to start walking through this pattern, okay? Wives, submit to your husbands, uh, I'm sorry, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. 
For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Everybody got that? I should just say amen and we should just go home, right? I mean, all right, that's, that's good. Ryan, are you good with that? I'm, t- I'm totally good with that. But it says, wives, submit to your husbands, right? Right? And then, then it's going to go on. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife. Right, as Christ is the head of the church, his body in which he's the Savior. 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. In everything. I didn't write this, guys. Verse 25, husbands, it's going to keep going here. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the, wa- with the water through the word, 27, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish. Man, right there it's saying it's your responsibility to keep your wives without wrinkles, right? You've spent your life adding wrinkles to your wife's face. It's biblically, it's your fault. I'm just saying, just saying. Verse 28, it says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body. But they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. Oh, no, I don't get lost here. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is the profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Continue on in chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Children, 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 obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children and send, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now let's just follow this just for a second, okay? Everybody, I know we just read a lot there. Are we mature enough to do this? Okay, so let me do this. This is gonna be terrible for the podcast, but let me just do this just for a second. Babe, can you come here? Cruiser, can you come here? Just use you guys. I want you to see this pattern here. I want you to see this pattern. Begin. Remember, we're talking about the pattern of servanthood, right? And the Bible is going to lay out very clearly. All of a sudden, we see this, how this should go down, what this should look like, right? And in fact, this whole dynamic is this, is I am serving and giving my life as the husband. I am giving my life, laying my life down to in what? To serve my, my wife, right? Huh, come over here, guys. To serve my wife, right? This would be considered my initial community, right? Right, this is my closest community that I have. Everybody got that? So for me, in my household, in my life, this is my community. This is, this is closer, the, this community is closer than, than even my community with Ryan or Megan or the, you, you follow me on this. This is my first community. So my first community of servanthood It's got to be in this pattern that Jesus says, listen, he says, listen, husbands serve your wives. Wives then do what? 
Serve who? Submit, right? Submit under Christ. Serve me. It's got to come back, right? Under Christ. And then what are the kids supposed to do? Honor their act of service is what? To be obedient to who? Parents, okay? So are you following me on this? Now, I know you're sitting there, stay up here just for a second. I know some of you are just sitting there saying, well, you know, well, I'm not married and, 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 and you know, and I'm, I'm kind of a 20-something and I don't really, I'm not really under my, 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 my parents' household. Okay, that's fine. Go to Galatians chapter 6 just for a second. Galatians, because I'm going to bring everybody into the mix here. Galatians, you're going to stay there. Oh, don't move. You're doing well. You're submitting. You're submitting. That's what the Bible says. This is all a test right here, right? Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, just simply says this. It says, so then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are what? In the household of faith. Why, though? It's kind of, it's kind of a weird dynamic, right? Jesus is going to say, man, listen, love your neighbor as yourself. Love you. Like, you're gonna, they're going to know that you're my disciples for your love for another another, talking about the community. Why? So listen, if you're sitting there saying, well, I'm not married. Uh, I don't have a wife. You know, I'm, I'm not really a kid anymore. Uh, so that doesn't really include me. Okay, good. If you don't have this, if this isn't your first community, you still have a first community. And by the way, turn around and look at everybody. That's your first community. Are you following me on this? What I'm saying is, is you don't get an out in this. What I'm saying is, is there's weight to how we serve one another, and there's a purpose behind it. So my job is to serve my wife. Her job is to submit to me and to serve me. My son's job is to honor both of us and his act of service is obedience to us. And it will go well with him, right? Haven't that, that's always been the case with you, right? If, you, if you've been obedient, if you've served, it has gone well for you, right? Anytime you have not done that, it has not gone well for you. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's the Bible just verifies the Bible right there, right? That's just living proof of it. So your first committee now, now follow me on this. You guys can sit down just for a second. Thank you, babe. I know none of this, this is like felt board stuff. And you're sitting there going, well, why are we talking about serving our wives and serving our husbands and kids, serving their parents? Why are we doing, or why are we talking about serving our, you know, our church community? And if I don't have a family unit, well, then your family unit is those sitting next to you. Okay? But why is that so stinking important? Well, because the reality of it is, is simply this. Most of us, follow me on this, most of us, when we come into church and we begin to ask God, give me a place to serve. God, show me a place. Give me an avenue to serve. Give me a place where I can just, you know, just reveal your glory and, and be, be used by you. And here's what he does. Here's what he does. He takes your face and he directs it to the closest community circle that you have and goes, serve here. And you know what most of us do? Father, is there anywhere else? Is there anybody else that I can serve? Because I know them intimately and, and we don't sometimes even get along. But yet you've called me to serve them. Father, is there a foreign country that you would like to send me? Father, I would rather serve in a foreign country than submit to my husband. Right? 
I would rather go on the mission field and live in a hut than, than, than serve my wife and lay down my life for my wife. There are children here that are begging that God sends them to faraway lands before they would ever desire to be obedient to their parents. What I'm saying is this. What I'm saying and making sure that we don't get hung up on is this. We can have a heart of servanthood. We can even desire and cry out and say, Father God, give me a place to serve. But the reality of it is, is he is never going to give you or he will never give you an opportunity to serve that steps over the community that he's put you in. Did you hear what I just said? Meaning your opportunity, my opportunity to serve will never, my greater opportunity to serve will never be past the opportunity to first serve my wife. You follow me on this? But it's funny, it's amazing to me. I, I don't know about you, we can, I, I've seen it too much. I, I've, seen, I've seen churches, I've seen leadership, I've seen, I've seen people that have, oh, I just want to serve God. But if you look at their closest community, there's no level of servanthood whatsoever. There are people, right, follow me on this, there are people sitting in churches right now asking God to give them a place to serve. Oh, Father, use me. And they don't even know the name of the people they're sitting in the row with. Did you hear what I just said? That is a judgment against us as a church. When we as people have become so self-focused that we are asking God, to give us an opportunity to serve and don't even know the community around us that he has placed you in. You think that you showed up here and planted roots here because you made a choice. God knew where he put you. God knows where he puts his people. It is not by accident. I've seen too many people that are just jumping around, making their own decision. Oh, I don't really like this church. Let's go try this one. Let's go try this one. Get Planted. God desires to plant you. It ain't even about if you like the place. It's the community he puts you. But there's a reason for it. Because he's desiring to work in you and through you to be able to serve that community. And when you are asking him, God, give me a place to serve, and have not even taken the time to know those around you and the needs that they might have that you could serve them, all of a sudden it's a self-righteous prayer. Are you following me on this? It takes us out of the pattern of Christ that he sets forth. It takes us out of the pattern. Oh, Father, give me a community outside this community because this community, if I serve them, it doesn't really get me anywhere, right? Oh, God, send me in the, into the foreign lands and give me a platform to preach your gospel. Well, why don't you just do that to your children? Why don't you just do that to your wife? Why don't you just do that to those that are sitting next to you? Why don't you find out what their needs are that are sitting next to you? Oh, no, that doesn't really get me anywhere. That doesn't really get me anything. I don't get anything out of that. I'm just, I'm just serving Mike, right? What's Mike going to get me, right? Uh, I mean, I'm, uh, what am I going to do serving my sons? That's not going to get me anywhere. That doesn't get me anything. I need something with more flash, more pizzazz, right? Nobody's going to see that. There's nothing I can get from that. 
Are you following me on this? It's amazing. I have seen churches filled with people. In fact, I have been that person. Father, oh, give me a place to serve. And he directs my face to my own community, to my family, to my brothers, my loved ones, my moms, my dads, all, all my family, all that. And I go, somebody else. Can we, can we step over that? What I'm trying to make you understand is simply this. God will never move you over. He will never step outside the pattern that he has established. Why? Why? Well, it goes back to what he said. They will know you are my disciple for your love for one another. Follow me on this. If you guys see my life, and I've tried to live pretty transparently in front of you, right? I mean, I hope you would agree with that. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate that. We got to get Corey on the payroll. I got to pay him. But the reality of it is, is, is I've tried to live my life pretty, pretty open and honest with you guys. But if you guys saw me constantly failing in my servanthood to my wife, didn't care about my boys' lives, wasn't invested in my son's lives, wasn't invested in them, wasn't invested in them, and I'm up here just pounding away at the pulpit for the love of God and God has a plan. Anybody have a problem with that? Would that be confusing to anybody? Would you struggle with receiving anything from me, knowing very clearly that I've got a broken down my, my nearest community, I'm sitting here preaching servanthood and preaching the love of God and preaching serving God, and yet, and yet I, I, I treat my wife as a, as, a, as a doormat. I treat my kids as basically just servants, and, and I'm not, you know, just, just kind of grow up and get out. Wouldn't that kind of muddy the waters for you? Of course it would. So are you beginning to see why he says, this is the way? In fact, I I'm not going to go through it, but let's just do this real quick. Just go there with me real quick. Go to, um, go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter, uh, uh, chapter 3. I love 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy lays out this uh, they were talking about what it takes to, to, to be qualified as leadership in the church. And my goodness, can I tell you something? We read this passage in Timothy, and it talks about those that are going to be qualified for leadership. Shouldn't we all have that desire? Like, shouldn't we all be trying to, like, I'm not just trying to get through this thing, man. I want to mature in my faith. I want to be somebody that can be looked at, that can be counted on, right? But I love this. I, I, I love what it says here in 1 Timothy. It lays out, and I don't know if I'm going to go through the whole thing, but it's laying out. Let's just read the, the, the first three or a couple passages right there. Uh, it says, here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness or, viol or uh, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do it so in a manner that is worthy uh, of full respect. 
I love that definition there. I, I love those, those contexts there. But you sit there and say, well, that's not fair. It's like, no, you don't get it. He's not trying to elevate us to some self-righteous moral standard. What he is saying there is that, that those in the community should be elevated to some point that we're not confusing to the world. I shouldn't be in leadership if my closest community is failing. Did you hear me? And the sad thing is, is the reality of it is, and, and, and we've all probably had a taste of that somewhere in our past. Be, why? Because men are broken. I'm not judging anybody. I'm sure I fail at this. But I don't want to, and I'm repentant of it. But I want to make sure. The Bible says there is clearly weight to this. Listen, they will know you are my disciples for your love for one another. How you walk with one another, how you walk with your closest community will say way more than whatever bumper sticker you put on your car. How you deal with your wife, how you serve your wife and how your wife serves you, how your children act is a direct deal. Listen, guys, I've said this from 13 years ago and it still stands today. If this breaks down, I'm out of here. I won't sacrifice them at the altar of leadership. Won't. Won't. Because if this is broken down, then what? I, I, then I have nothing to offer to the greater community. I don't get to step over my closest community to get to those that really need me because I'm their pastor. And I will serve them. And, and, and honey, you will just have to take the weight of the ministry. And because that's just how the ministry is. And, and, and I know I should love on you and honor you. But you know what? My time needs to be over here. I have to go preach here. The world needs me to deliver the good news. Right? That is not the biblical pattern. And in fact, that is confusing to the world. Because when the world scratches just a little bit, and begins to see that your inner circle and your inner community is broken down, then the gospel falls apart. Because then it sounds like you're selling an idea rather than a truth. Did you hear what I just said? You begin to sell an idea of what it could be, what Christianity could be like. But if you scratch my life just a little bit, you see failing. And now you're just an idea pusher. And there's a lot of people out there that are pushing ideas, lots of them. We, we have a truth. We have the truth. But we have to make sure that our lives line up with this, that we are operating in this pattern, husbands serving their wives, wives serving their husbands, being obedient in all things, children being obedient to their parents because it will go well with them. And if I don't have any of those things, then I'm going to serve my community to a point where they know that I love them. I, I, if I'm going to do good, I'm going to do good to these people that I do life with. And if this inner circle is failing, then I got to get that right well before I start asking God to put me in front of people. Well before I start asking God, oh, Father, give me a stage. I just want to declare your goodness. And he just turns your head and goes, love your wife. Honor your bride. Serve your children. Wash them with the word. Make sure your children are going to make the kingdom. Did you hear what I just said? 
What's the point of me reaching out to you if my own household doesn't, doesn't go to heaven? What's the point? Are you seeing the weight of this? What I'm saying is, is that we cannot be people that cry out for an opportunity to serve and, 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 and somehow overlook the very circle he's put us in. It'll never go. That is not the pattern of the word of God. So I want us to walk away here from today. I want us to understand the weight of the calling of being a servant, but also the calling of the servanthood of it starts here. It starts here. And if it doesn't start here, then it'll start there. And, and, if, and, and if Corey, Corey doesn't have a wife, right? Not yet. I'll pray it in. Right? Corey doesn't have a wife, so you know what Corey better do? Corey better find somebody in this community. Corey better find some, a need in this community and go, I'll just serve that. I'm just going to love that. I'm going to walk out my love so that when those look at my life, they don't just hear me talking about the gospel of God. They're going to look at my life and go, yeah, he's serving a community, his closest community. Yeah. Are you seeing this? Yes. Are you seeing the weight of this? Yes. Come on now, guys. I'm trying to save us from ourselves because ourselves, trust me, it is so easy to go, Father, just let me step over. <laughs> That's messy. Oh, if I could just step over my family, right? And yeah, that crazy uncle, I don't know if I really want to serve him, right? Listen, if, you're not, if you don't have a crazy uncle, you're probably the crazy uncle, right? I'm just saying, are you hearing me today? Does this make sense? Are we adding some weight back to this word and adding some weight back to this commandment and adding some weight back to this pattern? Yes. Okay. Well, let's do this. Let's get ready to take communion. Man, what a good thing to do to end on today. Right? No, I mean, think about it. Why do we take communion? We do this in what? Of who? And what was his pattern? Servanthood. Right? I mean, the very nature of the elements that we are taking shows that he lived a life to the fullest of a servant, even unto death, even unto death on a cross, right? Ryan, will you pop this for me? I don't have my glasses on. Thank you, buddy. Peter and Paul had to deal with the same things when they took communion, how to get that plastic top off. It's a, it's a, it's something that's plagued the church since the book of Acts. <laughs> no, but isn't it good that we're taking communion on a day like this? Right, because communion just makes sure our rudder is set. Right, it, it sets that rudder of our boat going, makes, wait a second. And maybe I've been asking God to get me over this, overlooking my closest community. Come on now. Come on now. Let's do this before we take it. Can we just go before God and just pray just for a second? Repent. Come on, repentance is a beautiful thing. We make it into such a dark thing. Repentance is the greatest thing that the church has ever been given. Wait a second, you're telling me that I can ask God to forgive me and he is faithful and just to forgive me of all unrighteousness? Yeah, oh, sign me up. Please. Father, forgive us as a community where we have been so self-centered that we have wanted to go past our community to find a place to serve. Father, forgive us as husbands where we have looked for places to serve and we've missed our very brides and our children. 
Father, forgive us as wives as we've looked for places to serve and yet we have not been submissive to our husbands. Father, forgive us where we have fallen short as children and been disobedient and still come to church and ask God, oh God, use me. Father, forgive us. Father, I thank you for your forgiveness that it leads, it doesn't convict us unto condemnation, it leads us unto life. But Father, as we take communion today, Father, we see your pattern in the very elements, the pattern of a servant, and we identify with it. We identify with it. We thank you for it. Let's go ahead and take communion together. This makes sense to anybody today? This help anybody today? It helped Corey, and so we'll keep the doors open, Corey. As long as it's helping one person, man, I'm gonna keep the doors open. Man, I want us to do this. Let's stand to our feet. Can I just pray for us today as a church? Come on, let's just, I'm just gonna pray for us as Family Sunday. Come on, let's just do this. Let's stand up and let's just lift our hands up. Pray for us, pray for myself. Let's just lift our hands up to God. Father God, I thank you right now. Father God, I thank you right now that this house, Father, that we will not be praying and be so self-centered that we miss the very community that you've placed us in. Father, I thank you that our heads are been turned today. Our heads have been turned back to our wives. Our wives' heads have been turned back to or the husbands and the children's have been turned back to the parents and the those that aren't in that scope are turned to the community and that we would no longer be confusing to the world but that they would know us for our love for one another. I thank you for it. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, let me say goodbye to these guys. Thanks for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can text Freedom Prayer to 94000 and send us your prayer request. And don't forget to find us on social media at Freedom Church STL. You can also find more info on our website at freedomchurchstl.com. 